So way back when I started the church, you know, way back, a whole year ago, uh, there, was a, there was a time where I was sending out messages to some of the brothers. And I don't know if you guys remember these or not. Little, little audio messages. Uh, and I was just doing these little fighter introductions. And uh, if you guys, if you're not a fighter, sorry. Um, I was thinking maybe a sports analogy, but whatever. We're going to do fighting. So do you guys know Michael Buffer? Ladies and gentlemen, right? Michael Buffer. So they were, they were Michael Buffer type introductions. And they were people like um, Alfonso Hustles and Muscles Davis. Right. Uh, Parker Deepwater Strickman. Fred the Anchor Dugene. So, how, how about us? How about Orlando International Christian Church? Maybe something like this. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen. That sounded good. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the heavyweight champion, Byway of the International Christian Church Movement and fighting out of the faith corner, the Orlando International Christian Church. Let's get ready to rumble. So by the way, that is the sermon title. Let's get ready to rumble. Let's get ready to rumble. Why, why rumble? Why rumble? Because if you're trying to live by faith, you better know it's going to be a fight. Yeah. Every day is going to be a fight, a constant fight. Your, your faith walk, the way you live, the way you talk and walk and interact, people, everything, it's going to be a fight. See, because um, you, you need to make sure you're not deceived. Don't be naive. There is an adversary. There is an enemy, and he's out there looking for you. And um, in case you don't know, before you go outside, because I don't want you to be shocked, we live in a fallen world, and things are not great out there, and people aren't so great out there either. And then if the adversary in the world weren't enough, you're going to battle against yourself. So make no mistake, it is going to be a fight. You know, when, when they introduce fighters, they're always like, oh, you know, this is the undefeated, oh, with a record of 20 and 1, right? And they're always trying to tell you something about the fighter, how great they are. What about somebody who's fighting for the first time? I don't have, I'm, I'm oh no, I've never been in battle. I don't know what's going to happen up there. So how do we hype you up? We talk about, oh, you're training. They train under this person. They have this. They have that. You know, you got to believe ah, they're going to be great. All right. So what about us? Uh, what, what is our training? Because we have to train daily. What's our strength training? What are we doing for our spiritual cardio? Are we sparring? You know, how, how are we going about being trained? Because we have to train to be ready to fight. Because we're going to fight. We have to be trained so that we can, point number one, fight to be blameless. We have to fight to be blameless. Let's go to Luke chapter 15, verse 17 through 19. Luke 15, 17 through 19. And the Bible reads, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. It's a great parable. Um, you know, the thing on this one is it was so egregious. Basically, what the son was saying to the dad in the beginning was, mm, you're dead to me. 
you're dead to me. Let me have everything that's going to be mine when you die. I'm not going to wait till then. Give it to me now. And in the story, it says he went out and he lived wealthy and wild living, wealthy. Now, I don't think they had paper money back then. I, Parker did I, no paper money. It was all coins, right? So he wasn't in the club, but maybe he was flicking out the gold. Who knows? We don't know what wealthy living was. Yeah, are you catching? Um, we don't know what wild living is, but we can imagine it. The partying, drugs, drinking, sex. We don't know but our mind can say we can imagine. And you know what we have a tendency to do is we tend to look at that prodigal son and say, oh, man, that kid was a wreck. Thank goodness that's not me. Yeah, he should have come crawling back, and he should have been saying, man, I have sinned before heaven, and I have sinned before you, and I'm not worthy to be called your son. You know, but the thing is is that um, when we do that, what we're looking at is man's standard. And not God's standard. What is God's standard? Sin is sin. We can't look and say, well, yeah, a little bit of sin, but my sin wasn't that bad. It's all sin to God. In everything that we do, we need to be broken like the prodigal son. We need to come before God the Father and say, I have sinned before you. Every sin is egregious to God. There's no rank and order. Sin is sin. And we have to be broken like that every day. We have to be broken about that, about everything we do. And we have to know that this is to be based on God's standards. We have to be blameless. We have to be above reproach. Now, if you're visiting, that may not mean anything to you. But if you, if you come here regularly, you've no doubt heard above reproach. Yes. Uh, it's just kind of a way of saying blameless, above reproach to be pure to be evaluated in a way that nobody can say, mm -hmm, look what you're doing over here. You know, and the other day I was eating lunch with uh, Mariah. She, where's it? Mariah and Shanice. And uh, at the end of lunch, they're like, oh, man, times we got to go. We got to go. Open the door, and they're walking in. And I said, yep, well, we, we want to be above reproach. And I'm telling you, I don't know how they didn't give themselves whiplash, turning around to look at the old guy. Because... One of the ways it seems that most people look at above reproach is the way that we interact as men and women, as brothers and sisters, that my conduct with a sister be above reproach. And I looked at him and I was like, it was funny. Because <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking, do you, I mean, do you know how old I am? <laughs> I've got daughters that are older and younger than you. And I, but it just occurred to me that that idea of above reproach it's not just in our conduct with brothers and sisters. That's our daily walk, right? So every aspect of our life should be that way. In other words, we can't be the, well, I don't want to say other churches. To, we can't be hypocritic, hypocritical, right? We can't be that one day a week Christian, that one day a week disciple who walks away and is living in sin, not just in the world, but of the world I mean like all in in the wrong way but on Sunday I dress it up I look pretty I smile amen you know do all the good stuff one day a week we got to be out there every day of the week in other words our church face this face our church face that needs to be our only face our a game needs to be our only game right um, now this isn't to say that you can never make a mistake it's not about mistakes. It's not about that at all. It's about patterns. It's looking for patterns of behavior. It's about progress, not perfection. 
So let's look at some of those areas in our life. How are you with time? How are you with time? And I, I know I've said this a lot, and I think <laughs> it's one of those things where people are going to be like, man, brother, does he ever stop talking about time? Time, time, time. Are you where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there? Not just church, anywhere. When you say, I'm going to be there, or your boss says you need to be here, do you show up on time? Come on. All right. Are you present but not prepared? You know, I, I joked the other day and was saying, what if we locked that door at 3 p.m.? How many people would be stuck on the other side of it? How many? It was right. So if you get in and, ooh, and the door shuts just behind you at 3 p.m., guess what? You're late because the worship has already started and you're not here and you're not ready. You're here, but you're not ready. How are you with your time? Right. Uh, you know, I had a, a friend, not had, I have a friend and a mentor who for years has said, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're 30 minutes late. And, and I think it's absolute truth. Um, when it comes to your time, are you fighting to be blameless? Amen. What about work? When you show up at work, how are you dressed? Are you just dressed bare minimum, standard, whatever? Or, I mean, are you standing out? Are you stepping up your game? How's the quality of your work? Do you sit up straight or work a little harder when the boss is walking by? You know, what's the quality of your work? Are you only doing your best when somebody's watching? Are you fighting to be blameless? How about when you're alone? Tell me about the, the music you're listening to when you're alone. Tell me about the things you're watching on TV when you're alone. Tell me about the websites you're going to when you're alone. You know, are you, are you binge watching uh, TV? Tell, tell me brothers, maybe some sisters. Tell me about your video games. How much time are you putting, not that it's a bad thing, could your time be better used somewhere else? Is that pulling you away from doing the right things? Uh, you know, is your place a mess? Is your place a mess? I, I talked about this as sock, the 60-second rule. If it can be done in 60 seconds, do it then. Don't just stack and man, just pile it up as you go. If it can be done in 60 seconds or less, do it now. Otherwise, you end up with a 60-minute mess because you're a 60-second slob. Right? Are you fighting to be blameless? How about your life as a disciple? All right. Are we living out Matthew 28, 18 through 20? Are we going? Are we making disciples? Are we baptizing? Are we teaching? Are we teaching them to obey? Are we obeying ourselves? So here we go. This is an audience participation. Raise your hands if you had quiet time and prayer time this past week. Keep them up, okay? Um, Keep your hand up if you went to church or midweek or Bible talk last week. Excellent. Keep your hand up if you shared your faith with somebody this past week. Okay. Keep your hand up if you were in a study this past week. Mm -hmm. Ready for this one? Keep your hand up if you led a study this past week. And look how the numbers drop. And look how the numbers drop. And you know what? I apologize. I should have put my hand down because I didn't lead a study this week and I wasn't in a study this week. And you guys go ahead and put your hands down. I, I was just going to wait to see how long, how long. But, you know, if, if our hands don't stay up all the way through, are we living the life we're called to live as a disciple? All right? Are we fighting to be blameless? How about your accountability? Is your yes a yes 
Are you reliable when you say, I'm going to be there? Do you show up? Obviously, life happens. But do you have a pattern of being unreliable? You know, that acts of that, that, that thing about accountability, it's, it's to ourselves, it's to each other. Um, and it's not just show up and it's, it's just holding each other to a standard. And uh, I'm going to call out Parker. Well, I'm not going to, I'm going to mention Parker's name because he called me out. You know, last week after church, I went to Bento's with uh, Chris and Parker and Jason. And uh, I got food and I got a water cup. And we ate and we were talking and talking and talking. Not like it was boring, but after a while, I was, I was starting to get a little sleepy. And Chris got up and went to the restroom and I slid out and I took my cup, my water cup. And I went over to the soda machine and I got about an inch of soda and threw that soda back. I was like, all right. I can't remember if it was the next day or the day after. And I can't, I'm going to just kind of paraphrase the conversation. Parker was like, brother, I got a question. When we were at Bento's the other day, did you pay for that water cup? And I was like, nope. And he said, you, you got soda. And I said, yeah. And he went, huh. <laughs> and, and I was telling Alfonso this morning, Parker has a way of punching you when you don't see the punch coming. <laughs> And he could have said nothing from that point, and I got it. But you know what he actually said to me? What about Jason? What about Jason? Did he see it? Did he notice it? And what, is, what does he think? And, and it's that level of accountability to each other that's, that's cool. And I was sharing this story with my sister, and my sister was like, oh, man, that's a wow. She's not a disciple. Um, she's not necessarily against church, but church has really turned her off for a lot of different reasons. But I was telling her this, and she said, man, that's really cool. And she said, uh, why don't you go back to Bento's and pay for that soda? And I was like, oh, man. She's like, you stole. What about some reparations? So I told my sister, who's in Michigan, that I'd give her a shout-out and say, thank you, Michelle. I, I went to Bento's before church, and I paid my 267. And I asked to speak to the manager. And the manager came over and I said, hey, I just want to apologize because it was brought to my attention by somebody that was with me earlier this week that I stole. That I took a water cup and didn't pay for a soda and I took a little bit of soda. And the lady was like, oh no, it's really, it's okay. And I was like, no, it's, it's not okay. It was wrong. So I came to buy the soda today. And she was really amazed, and she said, man, she said, that is so incredible. She gave me a certificate for a free meal. No, she didn't. She didn't. But that would have been cool, right? That would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, everybody's going to be going to Bento's. Hey, I got my cup. <laughs> but you know what she actually said? She said was, you know what, we, we really, we expect it. We expect it. And how sad is that, that the expectation is people are going to say water and they know they're going to steal the soda because it's stealing, no matter how small. You know, so when we have these things happen in our life, how do we respond? Are we humble? Are we proud? You know, Parker could, I could have said, brah, it was just an inch, but it was wrong. I could have said to my sister, you know, reparations, like, oh, come you know, I'll go another time, whatever. But instead, when these things are happening, we need to receive it and humbly say, thank you, my brother. Thank you, my sister, for bringing this to my attention so that I can be held to that standard, to God's standard. So how are we doing when we get corrected? Are you fighting to be blameless?
Because after you fight to be blameless, you also need to fight for your faith. Point number two, fight for your faith. See, faith is believing that God is God and God can do what he says he can do and he will do what he says he's going to do. Right. When you talk about fighters, you know, like, oh, this fighter is undefeated, you know, and this records and all that stuff. Nobody sitting here is undefeated. We've all messed up. We've all been defeated by sin in a moment. So we're not undefeated, but we are not defeated because we're here and you fight for the faith. You know, in that process of fighting, we're all going to mess up. And sometimes the, the knock is going to be harder and sometimes we're going to get knocked down. And if you haven't been knocked down yet in life, well, get ready because it's going to come. And I hope you get knocked down. You need to get knocked down because until you get knocked down, until you're laying on the ground, until you're hurt and broken and bleeding, you don't know what you're made of. It's in that process of getting back up is the fighting for your faith. I hope you get knocked down. I'm going to read one more scripture, and I'm not going to have you waste your time going there because it's Genesis 37.5, and I'm just going to simply say, Joseph dreamed a dream. So raise your hands if you have a dream. Nice. All right, got to be honest, that was more than I was expecting. But for those of you who don't have your hands up, why not? Why not? What is a dream? God uses dreams. So what is a dream? All right, a dream is something that God is laying on your heart. Now, obviously, we need to be humble before God, but we should also be bold before God to say, God, this is my heart. This is my heart. And if I could have it my way, this is what my heart, my dream is. And then you humbly wait for what God's going to do in that moment. But what's the difference between a dream and a goal? How many of us have goals? Is there a difference between a dream and a goal? Yeah, absolutely. You know what a goal is? A goal is like, I'm working to accomplish this. What's the difference in a dream? A dream is a vision. A dream is something that is so big. It's heaven. All right, now, yeah, heaven's going to be an actual place, but think about it. Heaven was painted as this amazing sea of glass, streets of gold, walls of jasper, pearl gates. What if, what if the description of heaven would have been like, well, you know, on the front streets, there's like a little bit of gold plating and most of the potholes have been filled in. They're not too bad, right? And that sea of glass, well, it's more kind of like this wavy saran wrap, but in the right light, it's, it's beautiful and reflective, right? And the walls of Jasper, well, you know, we, we had a, um, a, supply, a supply issue. So what we actually have is some particle board, right? But it has wood grain. It's got a wood grain. It's really nice. And those pearls of gate, well, it's really just kind of this shiny veneer. You know, you'd be like, I, I live there already. What do I, why am I going to endure? Why, am I, why would I be willing to change for conditions I already live in now? The, the vision, the, the dream of heaven is so big that you're willing to endure and push through and overcome and stay in the fight. Right? So... When you look at Joseph's dream, his dream was big. It was big enough to help him endure. You know, his brothers would doubt, bow down before him. His parents would bow down. Uh, can you imagine God placing a dream in your heart that's so big that people are bowing down to you? All right? So that's a big deal. So he did what anybody would did. He went to his brothers and was like, I had this dream. Right? And his brother said, oh, man, that is amazing. We're going to do everything we can to encourage you and support you. Right? Well, no. They hated him. They beat him. 
They were going to kill him, except one of the brothers said, no, let's not go that far, but hey, why don't we just sell him into slavery for his dream? Sold as a slave, things start to get a little bit better, and then bam, falsely accused and thrown in heaven. In heaven, things start to get a little better, and overall, he ends up being second in command of Egypt. But it was 14 years. 14 years. How many people give up after 14 minutes? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. <laughs> You're not wearing a military uniform and you gave up after 14 minutes. I promise you that. You, you've endured some things. Uh, how many people give up after 14 rejections? How many people give up because they went out and shared 14 times and had somebody kind of be a little ugly to them? How many people give up after 14 months? How long will you fight? How long will you endure? You know, that answer, it's going to be, it's, it's in your thoughts, it's in your words, and it's in your patterns. Are you a starter or are you a finisher? Do you think and use words like oh, rights and privileges? Or do you use words like obligations and responsibility? Which of those do you think God honors? Do you think God's like, oh, yeah, you, get, you tell them about your rights and privileges? Or does God want to see you honoring your obligations and responsibilities? See, it's not about what you know. It's how you think, and it's how you see. See, fighting for your faith happens in the gap between what you're hoping for and what you actually get. All right? It's in the gap between my dream and God's reality in that moment. And that gap is where we get frustrated, we get discouraged, we give up, we get hurt, we get angry, we get bitter. We have fear, confusion. It's in that gap is where you have to fight for your faith. When you look at Jesus and the temptation that he had in the wilderness, how did he endure? He spoke the word. He spoke God's word back over the enemy. How are you doing at speaking God's truth into your life while you're in that gap and you're fighting for your faith. You know, you look at Joseph and it was 14 years. How about uh, Hannah? 60 to 70 years old before Samuel was born. Okay. How about Sarah? 90 years before Isaac was born. How about Jerusalem? 400 years before it was delivered. How long will you fight and endure for your dream? See, God wants to bless you greatly. God wants to deliver you greatly. God wants to use you greatly. But you know what? You probably are going to have to be tested greatly. So how are you doing on that test? What are you thinking? How, was, how much longer? Look at how hard I'm working. Look at all this that I'm doing. What's going on with this? God, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. How are you doing with your test? How's your attitude? You know, are you a whiner? Are you getting bitter? Are you getting jaded? Um, by the way, if you're a complainer, one of the things I'll ask you to consider is your circumstance something that's come against you or is a circumstance that's created because you won't change? Don't complain if you're not willing to change. Are you a Philippians 2.14 disciple? Do all things without grumbling and complaining? Let's look at Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things God works for the good for those who love him who have been called according to his purpose, all things for the good. That's not all things for your convenience, all things for your timing, all things for your desire, all things for the way you want it to go. So when you suffer and when you're challenged and when your dream is delayed, you have 
to know in faith that it's going to be for your good. You know, I hear conversations, and it's funny because I, I almost think we should be shocked when we hear brothers and sisters saying, well, I've decided that I'm going to do this. I've decided that I'm going to get a new job. I've decided that I'm going to a new school. I've decided that I'm changing my program. I've decided that I'm moving because it's what I've decided because, you know what, I don't really see God here. I don't really feel God here. I don't really see my dream happening here. How wrong are we to be basing what we want or our actions on what we want instead of waiting on God? How many of us are missing our dream because we're too busy running from our discomfort? We're too busy running to find the thing that we don't see in front of us. Maybe we're missing our dream because we won't just be still and wait on the Lord because your dream is coming to you in God's time. But when it showed up, you'd already left. Oh, I showed up again. Oh, you'd already left again. We have to be willing to endure the discomfort. We have to be willing to overcome. We have to be willing to face, to chase the dream. So here's this. If there's one thing you get tonight, this is it. This is the key. This is the gem. Okay? What is the key to bring God's timing in alignment to your timing? What's the key? Get rid of your timing. Get rid of your timing. Quit trying to get God to match up with your timing and just fall into God's timing. It doesn't mean you don't have your dream. It doesn't mean you do the stuff that you're trying to do, but you, you let God be God. Quit focusing on the outcome and focus on the process. The example I use for me is, you know, God willing, I would love to be an evangelist. I would love to lead a church one day. That's my dream. But if all I ever think about is evangelist, 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 lead a church, lead a church, lead a church, what am I really doing? If, if Chris, Matt, and Kip called tomorrow and said, Earl, we got a church, you're going, whoo, am I ready? I mean, yeah, God qualifies the called, but if I'm not living my life every day to simply be the best disciple that I can be, to make sure that my faith walk is what it should be in my quiet time, in my prayer life. What am I doing? How am I doing? If I can't do these things, how am I going to lead anybody ever in the future? Yes. So between, between now and your callings, between now and your dreams, are you fighting to be blameless? Are you fighting for your faith? Are you fighting for point number three, coming in for landing? Fight the good fight. <clears throat> <I thought so. clears throat> fight the good fight. <laughs> That's not fight to fight. That's not fight any fight. It's fight the good fight. And what is that? It's, it's fighting to do what's right. It's fighting. Oh, I, I, yeah. Is it? Am I getting raspy? Is that better? You, you, the fighting, the good fight is fighting to advance the kingdom. You know, if you think about these action movies where something has happened and the United States is being attacked and they always go to that war room with all the computers and everything displayed and all the people sitting around the table and they're planning, right? Uh, that's your adversary. There is a war room for each one of you. And there is a battle plan against every one of you. 
right? And you got to think when you, when you dare to seek God, when you dare to stand up, when you dare to be stronger in your faith, uh, that lion that prowls around seeking for whom he may devour, he's got a spy network out there and they come back with all the information and they call together all the strategy and they go to the war room and they set DEFCON 1 because I don't want this person. Satan doesn't want this person out in the world trying to grow the kingdom. And, you know, we, we look at the battle as saying, we know Satan doesn't win in the end. We know. Satan, Satan probably even knows. Maybe. I don't know. But you know what? Every soul lost a, along the way. <clears throat> Every soul lost along the way. It's a victory for Satan. Because that soul that's lost will not be redeemed. When it's lost, it's lost. So when we talk about your fighter credentials and we hype you up and we're talking about all these things and not being deceived, you know, what is your record? How are you doing out there fighting? Have you been knocked down? You know, Satan's battle plans are overwhelm you with obstacles, overwhelm you with challenges, overwhelm you with difficulty, or overwhelm you with comfort, overwhelm you with an easy path. Because they're both how he's going to come at you. And it's never constant. He's going to switch it up. Because what happens when things are going great in your life? How, how strong are you leaning into your faith? When it's easy peasy, smooth sailing, right? The wind's in your hair. It's a sunny day. How, how much are you leaning into your faith? Anything that gets you off the path. Anything that gets you distracted. And those obstacles that make you say, I can never do this. I can never overcome. I'll never be enough. That's how he's coming at you. And he's studying you. He's a student of war. He's watching. He's studying. He knows your weak point, And he'll ping on it. And he'll attack and attack and attack and attack. And you know what? And then he comes back one day and he realizes, oh, man, he's built up this defense. She's shored up. She's ready for this battle. And ping, ping, ping while he sneaks around. Let me test his flanks. Let me test that rear guard. It's always adapting. It's always an effort to overcome. And it's, it's like any great... Uh, let me see, how about uh, Ali and Frazier, right? These great matches. How about um, Sugar Ray Leonard and, um, what's that? Oh, I wasn't going to say Hearns. I was going to say, um, what was the name? Well, all right, we'll just go with Rocky Balboa. That's a good one. Um, no, I was like uh, Sugar Ray Leonard and uh, Roberto Duran, all right? How about Mayweather, Pacquiao, right? These great warriors, Right? So you go, maybe you win, maybe you lose. But then you look at the tape. What can I do different? What can I do better? That's what we need to be doing. But you know what? Don't make a mistake because that's what Satan is doing also. Uh, let's go to 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7. 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7. And the Bible reads, In all this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through refined by, though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You know, there's uh, the, uh, the other translation that says trials of fire. Trials of fire. You know, these are the challenges. These are the temptations these are the giants. These are the mountains. These are the things that are coming before you. 
So how do you endure? We're going to go to Psalm 34. And I'm just going to, I'm going to read 4, 6, 7, 15, 17 through 19 and 22. But go back and read the whole thing. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of his troubles. And the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his eyes are attentive to their cry. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them and he delivers them from all of their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from all of them. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. You know, our fight is our fight alone. It's your faith that you're going to have to stand on when you look at your obstacles and your giants and these mountains. It's your faith alone. It's your fight but you don't fight alone. You fight with the God who promises all of these things. You know, I know you're tired. Fight. I know your body is hurting. Fight. I know the demands are high. Fight. The expectations can be overwhelming. You fight. I know you're scared. Fight. I know you're worried. Fight. I know your heart is broken fight. You fight every day and you fight to overcome. You fight to endure and you fight and you get up and you take one more step and just one more step and just one more step and you wake up and you say, I am more than a conqueror. I'm going to fight. My hope is in the Lord. I'm going to fight. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Fight. The Lord is my refuge. Fight. The Lord is my strength. Fight. The Lord is my strong tower, my sure defense. Fight. The Lord is the Lord, the God of possible fight. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Fight. And you fight every day and you endure every day. You have to because I promise you there is somebody out there that needs you. That needs you the way I needed her. Paula to show up in my life. There is somebody that needs you to show up in their life to look at them and say, I see you. To look at them and say, I know your pain. To look at them and say, I know where you are. Follow me as I follow Christ and you will get through. Somebody needs you to look at them and say, I know a God who loves you. I know a God who's bigger than what you're going through. I know a God who has plans for you to give you hope and a future. You fight because somebody is counting on you. And it's not fight for God. Yes, fight for God. Fight for your faith. But you have got to fight for the soul of the one who is out there drowning. Who's out there trying to fight alone. Fight for them. Don't let your story, don't let your battles, don't let your hurt Don't let your life be wasted. Somebody out there needs you. Somebody out there needs your story. And I promise you, God is arranging that appointment for you. Show up. Show up. Fight to be blameless. Fight for your faith. And fight the good fight. To God be the glory.